0: All right. All right. We are recording. Woo! Recording. Yeah. Exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. What are we recording?
1: Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob Minot, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter.
0: So welcome to this week's episode of AT Banter. I'm badger Ryan badger. Fleury.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah, you got to get that banter uh, banter in there. Rewind. Yeah, something seems different today, Ryan. What's different today? I don't know. There's, there's this strange empty space to my left. To your left, yeah, oh, that would be where Rob used to sit. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess we we fired Rob, didn't we? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he was sort of he was sort of taken over. Well, and, that's true. Uh, you know, he was like the main host, dude. Yeah, and he, he was going to his head. We got to spread it around. That's you know? true. We can't have his ego all puffed up like that. Exactly. Yeah. So we kicked him to the curb this week. We did. Yeah. Actually, Rob's off uh, helping uh, Rick Chant move a whole bunch of equipment and stuff out of storage and into Rick's house, I guess. <laughs> into Rick's storage. Into Rick's storage, yeah. <laughs> so Rob's not with us this week. Nope. Yeah.
0: Just the two of us. We
1: can make it if we try. Just the two of us. Oh, sure, change key on <laughs> So, Ryan. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Strike one. <laughs> See, that's why we've got to get rid of Rob more often.
0: <laughs> it's just a go-to. <laughs> Do that again. Ryan. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Good.
1: Steve. Yes? Who are we talking to today? Well, today we are talking to Nancy Willard. Uh, she is the director of uh, uh, Embrace Civility in the Digital Age. She's the author of Cyberbullying and Cyber Threats Responding to the Challenge of Online Social Cruelty Threats and Distress. Uh, that's a paper written in 2007 and available for uh, purchase and download at Research Press. She's also the author of Cyber Safe Kids, Cyber Savvy Teens, Helping Young People Use the Internet Safely and Responsibly from 2007, Uh, that's at Jossie Base. And then Cyber Savvy, Embracing Digital Safety and Civility 2011 at Corwin Press. So she writes a lot of stuff about cyberbullying.
0: Yeah, and that's a mouthful, so I think we'll link to all that in the show notes. That's a good idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, she could help us really get our cyberbullying game on, you know, I really think so. step it up a notch.
0: Yep. And I think, you know, with some of this, you know, the shows on Netflix, what was that? 13 and 13 ways to die, I think was the show.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, uh, talking about, you know, teenage suicide, you know, you had mentioned before having somebody on to talk about this topic. So I think there's people out there who will get something out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Should be a good show.
1: And, you know, anybody who has kids um, mm-hmm. is probably, uh, you know, struggling with uh, how much access to give them to the online world, how how much they should be monitored, and, you know, she could probably talk to us about that, too. Yep. How much screen time is too much? Yep. Hello,
0: Nancy? Hi there. Thanks so <gasps> much for joining us. <laughs>
2: Hi, guys. What are we going to talk about today?
1: Well, mostly we're going to talk about you, I think. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's the plan, and... and uh, uh, Maybe maybe we can start by uh, giving us an idea about uh, uh, embrace civility in the digital age and what you do there.
2: Okay. Well, I'll I'll start a little bit with um, the fact that I sort of embody the phrase "Not all those who wander are lost," although we may. Uh, appear to be so from time to time, or to look in that matter. Um, I have a, a bachelor's degree in elementary and early childhood education um, from University of Utah, master's degree in special education from University of Oregon. I taught in um, special ed classrooms primarily with kids with ha- who have behavior challenges, burnt out and went to law school. Um, when I became an attorney, I just sort of happened to get into the area of working with, um, computer companies. This was in the eighties when we were dealing with five inch floppies, (laughs) um, that then led me to get asked back into schools to talk about what was happening with this new fangled technology coming into schools. And then I started to hear rumors about this thing called DARPA net. Um, and then um, our county was actually one of the first ones, the county education program was one of the first ones who had a um, contract with um, to get Internet Access for students. This was before the web. This is when they were using email, Usenet groups, and Gopher. Um, and so I immediately saw the potential for this from an education perspective and got involved with that, helped start, helped do um, some of the writing to encourage the development of the Oregon Public Education Network. And then as schools and students were getting onto the internet, and there just became a huge um, concern about digital safety. And since I had the background in working with youth at risk and law, um, I started focusing in that area. In 2007, I wrote and had published the first book that's ever been published in the world on cyberbullying. It was published by Research Press. And um, it was called Cyberbullying and Cyber Threats. And at that time, I realized that what educators were being told about bullying about those who engage in bullying, which is largely at-risk, marginalized, aggressive kids, did not match the young people who I saw engaging in cyberbullying also didn't match those who bullied me in the 60s. Um, And the approach that schools were being told to use, which is make rules against bullying, Um, have staff supervise, tell students to report and then investigate and impose consequences and I'm going, yeah, right. This isn't going to work. Schools aren't making rules for sites and apps. Adults aren't present. Students aren't going to report because they know adults are going to overreact and probably take away their access. Um, Investigation is pretty hard for Um, principles and if they impose sanctions that lead to anger then they've got the potential of um, uncontrollable digital retaliation so uh, what I realized was that what was happening online is merely a reflection of our relationships overall so there's there's a need to stop distinguishing between online cyberbullying and bullying. It's hurtful behavior that's occurring in a variety of situations. Now online can be, it, it, impulsivity seems to play a role, um, desire for audience um, plays a role, um, And there can be greater harm, but it's the same harmful behavior. And so what we have to do is focus on embracing civility in the digital age. So that was a very long way of getting around to. (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: (laughs) The name of my program is Embrace Civility in the Digital Age. And the focus of my work is on trying to correct misunderstandings about those who engage in hurtful behavior um, and helping, uh, particularly helping schools is my primary focus, but how can we help? Imp- we, 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 we have to shift away from the idea that adults have controls. Um, I, I have a slide in my... Uh, prevention program It says uh, bullying prevention is not rocket science. It's far more complicated. Rockets generally do what they're told to do. <laughs> and the same cannot be said for um, children, teens, and adults. So um, the focus of what I'm trying to do is, is, is really on empowerment um, and empowerment with a focus on civility and inclusion. And um, and so for young people, my focus is on how to help them reach out, to be kind to those that are being left out or excluded, how to um, safely say stop, including how to, talk with her friend who's being hurtful, how to help them understand that this isn't okay and how to remedy the harm, how to um, um, realize when something is serious and really does need to be reported, like the recent school shooting we had in Washington where the kid handed out notes to his friends saying, yeah, I'm probably gonna be dead or go to jail, and none of them reported and we need to ask why that is Um, and then the so back to my i've got five approaches reach out say stop report concerns stop on it and fix it we we always say you know that we, we need to stop doing that well how do we help young people decide not to be hurtful um And recognize that if they have been, what they need to do is accept personal responsibility and remedy the harm. And then lastly, given that, especially if you're different, you're likely going to be from time to time treated badly. But everybody gets treated badly from time to time. So how can we respond? How can we reduce the potential of being treated badly? and increase the effectiveness of our response if we are. And then, especially in schools, we have to recognize that student perspective is that what schools are doing is not effective. Um, When school staff witness these incidents, they do not respond in an effective manner. The minority, uh, only a minority of students report and even those, even after they do, things rarely get better. And the majority of students don't tell, don't reach out for help, don't ask for help at school, or don't report when somebody gives them a note that says, "I'm going to be in jail or dead." Um, that reflects a lack of of trust that adults um, they, they don't trust that adults are going to handle these situations effectively. So that's what I'm trying to work on.
0: So do you, you, you work mainly in the schools, you say, but you know, we all know kids are sponges. Do you believe that some of this bullying behavior is learned behavior from what they see at home, and, and do you work with the parents as well? Uh,
2: um, absolutely, it's learned behavior. It's not just learned from home. Um, it's, it's learned from home, it's learned from school, and it's learned from society, and um, right now we've got uh, mm, uh, significantly increased concerns related to society. Um, the the research that I did, and and I'll and I'll tell you why I know that this is learned and modeled behavior. I did a survey in two thousand fifteen of fifteen hundred. Um, middle school and high school students, and I asked them four questions about hurtful behavior, and I defined hurtful behavior very broadly, not the more, well, there's so many definitions for <laughs> bullying, you can't, you know, it's, that's difficult. So I, brought, I defined it pretty broadly. I asked them how frequently in the last month they had witnessed um, students being hurtful to another, had been hurtful, had had somebody be hurtful to them, and how frequently they had witnessed school staff be hurtful. And then 42% of them said that they had witnessed school staff being hurtful. Wow. So then what I did was I looked at how those students who had ever there were four four choices: never, once or twice a month, once or twice a week, almost daily. So um, never was one category; ever was the other three. And I looked at the data on the student on student hurtful behavior. And in those schools where students had witnessed school staff be hurtful there was about double the amount. there was a significant, had a statistician do it for this and a very significant, uh, (laughs) .001 significance, um, that those students who had witnessed school staff be hurtful um, were far more likely to witness um, other students being hurtful Witness uh, be hurtful or have somebody be hurtful to them.
1: So, in essence, there's a culture that leads towards more right. cyberbullying.
2: There is a perception that the social norms, either in the school, in the family, in the local community, or in our national community, or in the global community, there is. It, there is the pers- if if students witness adults being hurtful with no consequences then um then they are much more inclined to be hurtful themselves <laughs> period
1: um i'm i'm from the same um uh... S- same sort of uh, uh, school as as you, I guess. When it comes to bullying, Our, ours back then was more uh, physical and whispering campaigns. We didn't have the internet when I was in uh, in school. Um,
0: <laughs> yes. But uh,
1: you mentioned early on uh, that there were differences between the people who were cyber bullies and the people who were physical bullies. What what nature? What what differences do you find in the physical type of bully versus the cyber bully?
2: Okay, so. It's, it's actually not the difference between um, the, um, the physical and cyber. There are two different profiles of people who engage in hurtful behavior. And those people are active both online and in school, in the communities, et cetera. So there are young people and adults who are marginalized and at sig- significant risk. So these are adult uh, young people generally who have experienced trauma and or are excluded, denigrated, they have challenges, and they are the at-risk students who are in our school. Um, and and we have pretty good ways of, uh, you know, that we're, we're developing, especially with the increase in what's called trauma-informed care, recognizing that the source of this behavior is that these young people have or are experiencing either acute or chronic trauma or adverse, other adverse um, situations, and that is what is shaping their, and guiding their, leading to their hurtful behavior. The other profile is not well recognized, and that's a big, huge problem. Um, the the Words that can be um, best um, applied to those, the, the, the primary source of bullying behavior um, are popular, socially skilled, competent, good athletes, uh, attractive leaders. These are the students who are hurtful to each other to achieve social dominance. They're the preps. Hollywood's picked up on, <laughs> on, on these young people. Yeah. But, but, but it's absolutely astounding and, and, and really not okay. On the stopbullying.gov website, Okay, kind of the national authority. There's a description. Uh, it's in a, a PowerPoint on a training. It says this is how children and youth who bully others are more likely to exhibit delinquent behaviors, dislike school, drop out of school, drink alcohol and smoke, hold beliefs supportive of violence, bring weapons to school, think of suicide and attempt suicide. Okay, that's your at-risk population. That is not the primary source of bullying in your school. So I'll, I'll tell a story. Um, there was a, an incident that occurred in our community and there was a young girl, she was a high school senior who was being bullied and I um, met with her. And this young lady, um, beautiful young lady, intelligent, definitely is gonna go some places, slightly overweight, okay? Well, she almost died as a four-year-old because she has type one diabetes. Um, and in the school that she, she had left the school that she was in and gone to another one because of constant bullying. The, every year, she told me every year she had applied to be in a leadership class that the assistant principal slash athletic director always put together. And um, she never got selected, clearly has leadership skills, never got selected for this class. The students who got selected were the socially skilled, popular, athletic students um, who were the ones who had bullied her throughout her school time. So. That's where we've got problems. We also have problems in schools. They a lot of schools use what are called token reward systems. So they've got green, red, yellow card uh, board, or they or they give kids rewards. They catch them being good. They give them rewards, and and then the kids who get the rewards get to go on fun trips or get to, you know, have treats at the school, et cetera, et cetera. Well. The, the students who are being rewarded, this, this models relational aggression. This whole approach to behavior management models relational aggression, because the students who have social skills are being rewarded. The students who have experienced trauma and have challenges are the ones who aren't being rewarded. And so what, what the school, the educators are doing is essentially communicating to those students who have the skills that they are superior <laughs> and privileged and entitled to look down their noses at other students. Um, who, because the staff is doing that. Oh, and let me add something else because you're going to hear, we have heard this and you're going to hear it frequently when there's a concept called, um, moral disengagement. We all have values, a set of values that we formulate as we're growing up. And those values seek to guide our behavior. If we act out of accord with that behavior, um, it's what we do is we tend to create rationalizations for that um, that misbehavior, and that helps us think that helps us to say, well, it really isn't outside my values. So there are four key rationalizations. Number one is spinning it. Um, euphemistic terms like "oh, it's just locker room talk," or "it's a prank." Um, another is denying personal responsibility. Um, yeah, someone else started it. Uh, I'm not responsible. This happens all the time. Uh, the third is denying the extent of the harm. Uh, he or she's overreacting. It wasn't that bad. And the fourth is um, blaming the the one who's been victimized. Uh, it, uh, if only she would stop or she deserved it. So we hear, hear those rationalizations very frequently. Um, look at some of the communications from the leader of our country.
1: Um, <laughs> I was going to mention that. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, at, you can find them uh yeah i mean you you get evidence of that but um school staff will rationalize um it it was just a prank especially if it's a if it's a one of the socially dominant competent leadership students and and a and a student who's treated badly by that student um it's very difficult for the principal to you know, hold that student accountable because they generally have powerful parents who are going to come down on the principal. Okay, so the principal will say, "Well, it was just a prank. Um, it really doesn't meet our definition of bullying. You're you're really overreacting. And if you'd only stop X, Y, Z, then this wouldn't happen." Yeah. You know, so we hear from principals. Obviously, we hear it from young people. Um, We also can hear it from, there a lot of times students really do want to step in and help, but they don't have the skills or they're afraid. And so if you really want to step in and help, and you don't, then the failure to do so is also out of accord with your values. And so if you want to step in and help and don't, you will also then rationalize well. Somebody else should have, you know. It, it somebody else should have helped. Um, it wasn't that bad, um, and and so we see those rationalizations everywhere. Um, and I think that if we start calling attention to the fact that people are rationalizing hurtful behavior, then we might be able to get it under control.
1: So, um, over the years, uh, the internet has has changed and evolved. Uh, and, and now we have, you know, my, my daughter is in grade 12 this year. She's, uh, um, she's part of the drama club, which is sort of a, a sub subset, not the popular kids. They're, they're the, right. uh, uh, the emotional, the very emotional crowd, but, but right. she has these massive, uh, online, uh, networks of friends, um, on multiple platforms. Right. Um, I, When, when kids have these kind of networks and they're that, uh, exposed, uh, does that make a difference in terms of the, the, those interactions that they're going to have with the bullies?
2: Um, first of all, I I strive never to call somebody a bully because bully implies a, it's kind of name calling. It complies, it, it implies a status that can't be changed. So if we instead refer to somebody's behavior, somebody is engaging in hurtful behavior, um, then that holds the promise that this person can recognize that this was inappropriate and take steps to remedy the harm. Um, the, The very important that that's why i'm so focused on the fact that we've got to empower young people to to know how to effectively foster positive relations in these environments because you're certainly not Checking on all of her communications in all of these multiple platforms that she's involved, and in. if you tried to, yeah,
1: I don't, I don't uh, imagine that she, would go well. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, she would say, you know, um, uh, well, maybe she wouldn't use an expletive, but uh, she, oh, she would. <laughs> would easily figure out how to <clears throat> set up a situation where you wouldn't be able to see what she's doing. Yeah. Okay, you know, um, we have to really focus and, and, and schools just absolutely have to shift from this idea um, that they have control um, over to the, the idea that we have to give, we have to provide autonomy to young people. We have to help them gain effective skills. Like we have to help them work with their peers to say, hey, we care about the majority of young people really want to have positive relations. They don't like to see people being hurtful. Um, These people can achieve social dominance, but it's only because there's a misunderstanding of the actual social norms. The actual social norms of young people are, especially of young people, are very accepting. And they don't want to see people be hurtful. If you look at the data, Specifically, um, the the data on the acceptance of of different gender um, orientations and identity. Um, the surveys that I've seen go down to young adults, and the overwhelming majority of young adults have no problem with the fact that you might have a different orientation or identity. It, I mean, vast, vast majority. It's the old folks who we get problems with. Um, and And I think that also is the case with just about every other difference that you would want to put out there. I think that young people are much more um accepting of of different races, different religions, different skills. Um, I, I, I think as a generation um we we should be proud of them. And in fact the communications that they're having digitally are breaking down a lot of those barriers when you're not you know, when you're communicating with some, when you're communicating with so many people, you, you know, whether or not um, they are of a certain status is of less importance than um, what what you're talking about, what their ideas are. Um, so there's a lot of positive, uh, and and I and I think actually a lot of the. Um, positive attitudes um, towards those who might be, quote, different, close quote, um, have, have come about because of the connectivity of the Internet. Um, oh, by the way, um, I was going to say something. We see both kinds of hurtful uh, um, behavior um, both the marginalized the at risk as well as those who are being hurtful to achieve dominance. We see both kinds online. Um, the, the marginalized at risk uh, are generally considered trolls. The, they're the, they're the, the, the really challenging folks to deal with if you get trolls um, on you but then there's also especially among young people and within those groups there's the efforts to achieve dominance that are occurring so young people have to know how to respond if somebody is hurtful to them Um, and, and one of the most important things, especially when it's digital technology, and I think everybody is, um, has from time to time violated this, is if you're really angry, keep your hands off the keyboard. Um, and and definitely don't drink wine at the same time. The whole concern of impulsive behavior. And I have been there, been there, done that, you know, rage of anger. I'm going to tell you what I think about you. Um, and, and then needing to go back and, and remedy the harm. Um, but yeah, that, that impulsive, impulsivity and is, is a challenge. And more and more schools are now um, implementing mindfulness practices, which um, can, can really be helpful in, um, in controlling the impulsive behavior. Um, and and helpful for all of us
1: <laughs> does it does it make it more difficult now that it is so easy to hide your tracks if you're going to engage in those kind of behaviors if you want to be completely anonymous you can pull it off fairly effectively now do you, do you find people hiding and, and engaging in these sorts of behaviors often or are, are people generally just straight up about it,
2: it i think it it, it it doesn't occur as much within the friendship groups of young people, because, quite frankly, if somebody tries to do something anonymous, um, somebody else is going to know who it is, and the word's going to get out. Um, and, you know, so it's it's actually. Uh, yeah, technically it's hard, but when you've got ongoing social relationships with people, eh, somebody's gonna figure it out, somebody's gonna squeal and, 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 you know, that's gonna be taken care of. There was an interesting um, situation that emerged, emerged in, uh, in, in Salem, Oregon over the summer. Um, some um, enterprising middle school students uh, set up a very raunchy Instagram account and were uh, doing a lot of highly inappropriate sexual harassment of female students at a middle school. Um, and as best I could tell, because the, the, the reporter called me for comment and stuff like that, and. Uh, um, what the reporter indicated was that there were a lot of students who had gotten onto that Instagram account and were telling whoever was behind it in no uncertain terms it was entirely inappropriate. Um, and very rapidly, the Instagram vanished, which means that some of the students saw it, filed a report, said, hey, take this down. Uh, it, was, it was quite appropriate. Other And some of them told Adults who, in predictably, came hugely concerned, were calling the police, were trying to get a hold of the principal at the school who was wisely on vacation and not responding to her phone or email. Um, and, and so it was the adults who were coming unglued. Um, the, the Instagram account came up, back up again, and went down even more rapidly. So, as best I can tell, As someone who lived in another community and wasn't really, but, and so my, my primary source was, or my only source was the reporter, the students had that under control. They were objecting. They had it taken down, not once, but twice. And also, I lay odds, never, this is going beyond what I know, but I lay odds, a number of them know who did this. And, um, and the students who were behind it probably heard plenty um, about how, um, how inappropriate this was from the other students. So that's, the, you know, that's what we need to generate. That, that's the kind of response that's, that we can expect from younger people. And we just have to make sure that they have the knowledge and skills to do that. Oh, I also heard of another I can't remember where this occurred, but um, a student who was treated badly online, and, um, well, one story I heard was a a student who was treated badly online, and then the next day, she came to school with a whole bunch of Post-it notes. And on those Post-it notes, she had written totally positive statements about people. And she went around the school, putting post-it notes on the lockers, um, on on teachers' doors. You know, essentially, um, totally shifted this to a a positive reaction. Or her response was yeah somebody dissed me online there's too much negativity in the world so i'm going to do my best to create the positive it became a phenomenon in her city um of getting post-it notes and leaving little post-it thank you notes so you know these kind of wonderful creative turn it to the positive um respond effectively to the negative but turn it to the positive is is what we can empower young people and others to do
1: excellent yeah that's an excellent story um now we've we've mostly been talking about um bullying behavior but um your uh, your paper also talks about um distress and uh you know again my own experience uh you know with a with a with a daughter in the drama club is a lot of times what she's dealing with uh, online is her friends having meltdowns for um, a variety of reasons often relationship-based or uh, you know problems at home Um, and these things she she takes to heart and and you know it it really bothers her and i think that she part of what bothers her is, is just not being able to see um how she can affect positive change with her friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So what kind of advice can you give to, to kids who are dealing with distress in the, in the online community?
2: Or, or any community. Um, Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. The, the program that I'm, um, have completed and am about to launch for schools is called embrace civility, um, and there's information on my website. One section of Embrace Civility is on positive empowerment. If you know, and that's that's if somebody's being hurtful to you, or if you have any other kind of of distress. So there, um, social science. Um, there's a whole wonderful new field of social science that's called positive psychology, um, and also what's called trauma-informed care. There's some, some critically important things that young people can do to become more positively powerful. Number one is connections. Um, so the fact that if somebody's distressed and they're reaching out to a friend, that's good. That you know, I'm here for you. I'm I'm your friend. So so connections, both with um, helpful friends as well as trusted adults, and so the best thing we can do in schools elsewhere is is to really help and make sure that people have positive connections. Okay. Um, a, a second approach is is really important. i have already talked about that, and that's the ability to self-regulate, to calm down, to remain calm. Yeah, I'm really upset. Okay, let's. Uh, if if your brain is upset, you're you're not going to be able to figure things out. So you've got to achieve calmness. One of the best videos on mindfulness. Um, it's called Just Breathe, and It's a group of kindergarten students, explaining what happens in the brain when you get stressed and how they can calm themselves. So um, knowing how to engage in in that kind of of self-regulation. Problem-solving skills are exceptionally important. If something has happened, every young person needs to be able to go through a process and say, okay, how am I going to respond? So uh, the basic way that problem-solving skills are is, okay, do I have a clear understanding of what happened? What, do I understand what my goal, what is my goal in this situation? What do I want to achieve? And then, what are some strategies that I can use to achieve that goal? What are some things, and as more than one strategy, you need at least three. Um, And then considering those strategies and saying, okay, is each in accord with my values and what might happen if I did that or this or the other thing? Um, And then from that, figuring out what's the best strategy to try first, realizing the first strategy you try might not work. So you might have to then reconsider and say, well, maybe I'll try strategy two or I'll come up with strategy and new strategy four. Um, And then you just keep trying the strategies. Now, if two, three times you try something, it's not working, then you probably ought to go talk to an adult or somebody who has a little better authority. But so... This is a process that young people can go through by themselves, but it's better if they talk with their friends. Okay, here's my problem. What are some ways, you know, and, and so you've got either two friends or, or a group who are saying, okay, well, why don't you try this? Um, so that kind of problem solving. Um, there's uh, thankfulness, gratitude, paying it. To, yeah, things are crappy a lot of times, in a lot of lives, but there are things that are happening that are good. So focusing on the good um, things, and uh, the research says if you just write down three things that happened every night, every night you write down three good things that happened during the day, um, that helps. Um, There's a dynamite, dynamite um, site, it's the VIA Institute on Character, And their website is viacharacter.org. They have a survey on there that adults and teens can take. Um, They have identified the 24 top character strengths. And you can go and figure out which are yours. Top strengths. Everybody's got different strengths. So being able to identify what you're good at, and then if you're problem solving, it's like, well, you know, I'm really good at this, so maybe I should have a strategy that relates to that. So I, I highly recommend their um, website because it's it's a way of saying, hey, I'm proud of myself. These are the things I do well. Um, another strategy is um, focusing on uh, your future. If you say, well this is where I am going and these are the steps that I'm gonna be taking today, this week, to get to where I wanna go. Um, Another strategy is reaching out to be kind to others. So, and this is really helpful if you've got somebody who's being bullied or, or having some challenges. If they can turn that around and intentionally reach out to be kind to others. There was a study they did. They told, they measured uh, peer acceptance and then they had one group of students who they said, okay, what you want you to do is be kind to three other people, preferably ones you don't know outside your social group, someone who seems distressed, be kind to three people each day. And then they measured peer acceptance. And the kids who were reached out to be kind, their level of peer acceptance went way up. Well, I mean, that's a pretty cool trick. If I reach out to be kind to three other people, or maybe five, then people are gonna be kind to me. So the whole kindness um, aspect um, is is just really, um, really important. Too often, we allow others, we give other people power to, to control how we feel about ourselves, And we gotta stop doing that. Um, the fact that somebody treats you badly, if you, uh, if you allow yourself to, it, it's a combination of both the bad things that have happened and your choice or your decisions or your thinking about yourself that end up with the bad consequences. This is called rational emotive therapy. So if you can change how you respond and keep your own personal power, then you can change the outcome. So um, if somebody is hurtful to me, my choice is to say, hey, I'm not going to give you the power to control how I feel about myself. I'm gonna keep my personal power. Uh, and um, and so I, I keep trying this. I have a young daughter, she's in her early 20s. So I'm so upset, you know, it's like, look, okay, these things happen. It's, you can't control how somebody's gonna treat you, or you can't control what's gonna happen. You can control how you respond. You can control how you feel about yourself. Don't give somebody else the power to control what you're gonna think about yourself. So those are all of the strategies that I've incorporated into the Embrace Civility program.
1: Where do you fall on the, the, the spectrum of, of uh, allowing uh, your kids uh, access to the online world? Like, Did you supervise them uh, to any extent? I, I've, I've always been of the opinion that, that my kids needed to learn media skills. And, and they need to understand the online world. They need to understand, to think critically, uh, and, and to, uh, uh, deal with it responsibly. Other parents are on the polar opposite. Like, no, my kid is not getting on that iPad period. Forget it. No, they're, you know, they, they, they stay off of the internet until they're 20. Um, <laughs> do you, do you have any guidelines that you would offer, uh, parents that, uh, are, are struggling with that finding the balance there?
2: Yeah, well, if you if you're asking based on experience, realize that my children are in their 20s, which means uh, my experience raising them was very different than the experience of parents at this point in time. Right. Um, so <laughs> talk about rapidly changing. Mm-hmm. Um, the the best advice, you know, I I just saw some research that indicated that, uh, you know, if you give younger kids cell phones, then they're going to get cyberbullied, you know, the, and it's, it's merely the fact that they've got this, this better technology. When internet first started coming out, um, the solution, it was, it was funny, the solution was going to be filtering software. Um, and and for a long time, it was like we're gonna we're gonna control this with filtering software. There was um, actually a, a congressional committee, um, Internet Safety Task Force, I think it was, that was set up to deal with the concerns of the internet coming into school, and kids are gonna access porn, and predators are gonna prey on them, et cetera, et cetera and the whole answer that was being provided was filtering software. I was asked to testify for this commission, um, and there were so many snake oil salesmen, techie guys there whose filtering solution was going to solve the problem. I took along Dr. Seuss, oh the places you'll go, wherein it (laughs) states, you'll look up and down the streets, look them over with care, about some you will say, I don't choose to go there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not-so-good streets. So I actually read to the commission from Dr. Seuss. That's
1: awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: um, Anyway, uh, held it up proper kindergarten style. See? (laughs) See the pretty pictures? (laughs) Anyway. um, (laughs) So... Uh, this has to be, you know, uh, kids aren't supposed to be on Facebook until they're 13. Okay, in, in part that's because of a um, statute related to marketing. Um, but as it, this has to be developmentally um, appropriate, and as you're expanding access you've got to be talking you've got to make sure that your kids know how to self-regulate not respond if they're upset um and you have to make sure they know how to problem solve so that's a lot of of questions and it's not the the adult control i'm going to control this you know blah blah, blah. it's it's not going to be effective so self-regulation and problem solving um are are the the top uh, top skills and that means that doesn't mean adults solving the problem for them that means hey I just saw this what do you think I should do or this just happened to me okay well let's discuss this what do you think you should do what what are your goals what are the strategies so going through that problem solving strategy that I went through Um, the other thing that I I think is very helpful, is focusing on the positive. Young people often don't share what's happening that is of concern because they're afraid that the adult is going to overreact and take away their digital access. So, um, positively commenting on any time, actually any time a young person shares something that's happening online, you wanna get in. you wanna focus on the positives. So the kid says, um, hey, thus and such happened, oh, well, you know, tell me more. Wow, you had a really, you know, that was a great response. I'm so glad you're using the technology. So responsibly, that was a really smart way to, to respond. So if you, can, if you can focus on the positive, and that will then encourage young people to share if something negative has happened, and that's what we, that, that's what we want to be able to do. Um, so every time your kid says anything about online, it's pay attention and be positive. Um, and then if it's negative, it's not if, if, if there's a problem, it's not taking away their agency. It's helping them figure out how to problem solve to resolve the situation and then positively acknowledging when they have.
1: OK, so how do we apply this to Trump's Twitter feed? <sighs> <laughs>
0: See, fortunately, we're up here in Canada, so we we're, we have a distance from from him, so we can just stand back and laugh. But
2: ah, uh, I know um, the well. First of all, um, what we're going to see here in the United States, especially, but I'm not sure how much this is migrating in other areas. Um, and I actually wrote to communication person at a school district said um we're gonna see the rates of bullying go up they do annual surveys biannual surveys the rates are going to be higher this is not because of the failure of schools (laughs) this is because of what's happening in society um i the the One one strategy is to focus on things that happen as a teachable moment. Um, Lots of teachable moments about how people rationalize hurtful behavior. Um, It was a joke. You know, it's just meant to be funny. I think that was the response to um, um, the gif of him hitting a golf ball into Hillary Clinton's back. Um, Anyway, so there's a lot of opportunity to understand rationalizations and to make positive choices even when the leadership um, does not appear to be headed in that direction. So what we're seeing is actually... A fair amount of um, grassroots movement in a very positive direction down here. Not fast enough, but on the other hand, um, we really are—we really are seeing a lot of of grassroots coming together, and that's what we're going to be um, the path to survive until. Uh, Mr. Mueller gets his work um, completed, which is going to take a while.
1: Yeah, it's, so, do you, Do you think, you know, is is what we're seeing on the national stage the same sort of thing that plays out on the smaller stage in the schools, where if you have somebody who's a a, a leader in there, if they well, I I think you said it earlier. If if they yeah. bully, you you end up yes. with that culture of of bullying, and now now we're seeing that happening. Yes. Um, on the grander scale,
2: yes. But uh, we also saw that happening with the Democrats within the Democratic National Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, um, you know. So, so this is a bipartisan opportunity to um, evaluate um, the the only slight. Um, uh, psychological glitch, yes, this is a person who has a high degree of power, also has some clear psychological challenges, um, which is not always the case with the um, the ones who are seeking social dominance, being hurtful to achieve social dominance. Um, and the marginalized at risk youth who often end up in prison. You know, there may be some prison in the future. <laughs> you know, in this case, so, so there's 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 a little bit of bridging of the behavior there, but there's a there's a lot of teachable lessons, teachable moment lessons about um, the abuse of power um, and hurtful behavior and. Um, and the need to come together at a family, school, community level uh, to address those concerns. One way of looking at this is that we've had concerns of the abuse of power and status for, I mean, this isn't just new for this current president. We have abuse of power and status. And um if you've got an infection, um, you have to bring it to the surface in order to be able to deal with it. And so perhaps what the path that our country has followed has been to bring that infection to the surface so we can more fully understand. Um, what the problems are, and then be more effectively able to deal with them.
0: We'll There's been a lot of good information. Yeah, this,
1: this, this got real you deep know. real fast, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, well, Nancy, we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today and, and share your knowledge. Like I said, we'll definitely have to have you back to dig even deeper.
2: Thank you very much.
0: And do you want to share with our audience where people can find more information about you?
2: Um, I am at EmbraceCivility.org and the program I have to offer is coincidentally named Embrace Civility. So if you look on my homepage, it's the first link off of that homepage and um, the, the resources are are all there. I've um, um, hoped they may have connections with schools. Um, I really am interested in in working with schools to see what we can do to help um, create positive school climate that fosters positive relations and inclusivity and embraces civility.
0: We will definitely okay. link to your website in our show
1: notes as well.
2: Great. Thank you so much.
1: Well, we wish you all the best with your uh, with your mission. It's an important one. Certainly, the world could use a lot more civility these days.
2: <laughs> yes, thank you very much. And great questions, guys. It's a delight to be here.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks. you. You yeah. take care.
2: Mm-hmm. Bye bye. Bye bye.
1: Well, it's deep, eh? Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of a lot of information indeed indeed and and you know initially when we when we were talking about this guest uh you know we were we were fully focused around the idea of bullying Mm -hmm. and that's really not what you need to focus on no no. it's it's the civility it's the civility the positive aspect so we got we got schooled here man (laughs) (laughs) we We did did, indeed yeah. yeah Yeah. So more positive affirmations in our world, all of us, yes. all of us, all you, all you AT banter listeners out there, go out and say something nice about somebody. Exactly. Maybe, maybe th- three times a day, you know, at least three times, at a least day. three times a day, we will turn you
0: into an, a, a civility army. And if that's too much, try once a week, just try something once and it'll spread. Yeah. Hey, Ryan.
1: Raw. Ru- <laughs> Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I really like what you've done here with the microphones. What's that? I, just this, this the whole arm? setup. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah? It's, it's great, man. You, you've, done a, you've done a fantastic job. Excellent. Thank yeah. you so much. Oh, you're most welcome. All right. So where can people find us? <laughs> well, people can find us all over the place. I mean, we've got a webpage, we've got email, we've got Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. YouTube. Yep. I always forget YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they want to email us, they can email us at uh, atbanterpodcast at com.
0: Yep. Or they can find us online at www.atbanter.com. Yeah. Send us an email. Send us a tweet. Send us a like on Facebook.
1: Tell us something nice. Embrace civility, man. We'd love to hear from yeah. you. All righty. All right. So, so we're going to wrap this thing up? Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, I'm not Rob Minot.
0: And I'm still Ryan Flurry. That would make me Steve Barkley then. And we'll see you next time.
1: I guess so. Bye-bye. It's <laughs> is so much less professional <laughs> with Rob not here. It is, but oh well. Hit <laughs> <laughs> stop. All right. I got to pee <laughs> This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com, that's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com, or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840, or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com.